I would like to ask you, uh, so what is the typical mindset of a CISO? You need to have those exclamation marks going on in your head all the time. What am I missing? What am I missing? What am I missing? Yeah. At the same time, if something you hear about something, new technology or maybe a new threat or maybe a new uh, 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 breach, you know, in the media, you should be having those exclamation marks in your head saying, well, how did it happen? How did it work? If you have those going on in your head, I think uh, you get the answer there. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to the series of uh, the Cyber Security and the Privacy Show. In this journey, we'll take you through various topics and the dimensions of cyber security and privacy. And we start today with the first episode with a very dynamic and an enterprising CISO, Mr. Bittal Bhardwaj, who's a CISO GMR. And let us walk you through as to how a life of a CISO typically is, what challenges do they face, how do they visualize cyber security domain, well, how do they see the national ecosystem of cyber security growing up, and what is a typical uh, day or a mindset of a CISO. With this, let me now welcome our CISO, the man, Mr. Bittal Bhadwaj. Let me introduce uh, one more aspect about him to all of you. A graduate, I think, from uh, Pune Engineering College. Uh, starting his uh, journey uh, from um, as a software engineer uh, to application tester, working in G, and uh, finally, I think, uh, being now the CISO GMR, which is a great responsibility. So while he's walked this journey all this way through, and uh, is sitting at the helm of the affairs when it comes to cybersecurity, especially in the sector, which is, uh, I would say, full with a lot of uh, challenges and opportunities as well, Let's understand as to how his life has been as a CISO GMR. So, welcome uh, once again, Mr. Bittal. Thank you, Vinit, for having me on the show. Great, great, lovely. I just want to understand one thing from you that with this journey that you have started, what actually made you move towards cybersecurity? Very interesting question. Uh, uh, I have uh, been working on IT infrastructure in the performance engineering space in my first half of my career. And it was very operational in nature. I was looking for something very strategic. And uh, I asked my boss, boss, do you have a role in, in something which is strategic? He said, well, I have something in application security. And when I came in and did my first role, uh, that's when I realized, well, uh, the very fundamental of security was missing in the way it was being managed in the industry at that point in time. We'll touch on that more as we go along today. Lovely, lovely. So I want to ask some fundamental questions. What do you think in a life of a CISO that one, one is maybe aspiring to become a CISO, but are there some basic ingredients, some skill and ed education that one should keep empowering himself or herself with to aspire to become a CISO one day? I think a wonderful question, Vineet. Uh, I think I see the education, qualification, certification as a point in time, you know, a learning experience. But when you're talking about an aspiring CISO, you have to be very continuous, very fluid in terms of your learning. So it cannot be a point in time. I think the ingredient which you need to become a CISO at one day, I think I will, the way I say it is, uh, you need to have two exclamation marks. You know, the number one, what am I missing? Yeah. And at the same time, oh, this is how it worked. If you have a lot of ahas for these two exclamation marks in your life, I think you're fit to be a CISO one day. That's, that's a wonderful, I would say, description about it. And uh, if I may ask that, while you were progressing ahead in your journey, as starting as a software engineer, I think then you worked with Genpack also, if I'm not wrong. So I've spent uh, uh, close to 18, 19 years in the GE ecosystem. Okay. So I was consultant initially through Satyam, now it's TechM, 
uh, and then I've spent time with Jekis. Jekis was sold off, became Genpact. Okay. Then I moved to GE Corporates. Then I had a stint of around 13 and a half years in uh, General Electric in the corporate role there. Lovely, lovely. Uh, so what I wanted to ask you, my next question is, which comes to my mind that uh, in this long journey of your career, starting from the software engineer after engineering, what has been your journey? And uh, in that journey, while you would have seen your seniors and other professionals uh, handling the security and handling the challenges of security, what is that point in your career when you thought that you are prepared mentally to take on the role as a CISO of any big organization? Wonderful question, Vinita. You're never prepared for anything. Uh, only when it comes, the situation makes the heroes, I guess. Uh, but if I go back into my memory, my first role was for an application security leader. At that point in time, I had uh, no experience as a security professional and I was asked to lead uh, a team of uh, cyber security and application security leaders. Uh, fairly seasoned, matured and uh, experienced professionals. And I had no idea about security at that point in time. I'm talking about 15, 16 years back. However, uh, the role was given to me with uh, one simple objective. We said, well, for these, uh, we had around 15,000 developers. and. Uh, and the problem statement given to me was in simple English. It is, well, uh, we pay to these developers to develop code for us. Then we pay them again to test it for us. And then we pay them again to fix the vulnerabilities in the code for us. Please reduce the number of vulnerabilities in the code which we receive from the development teams. It was simple, plain English, you know, in a business terms. Uh, I worked upon that. And I started working, as I, as I started working in this uh, role, I realized that the so-called experts in cybersecurity, they were so caught up in the uh, the technical aspects of the role that they were fairly far off from the ground reality of what was the purpose, what was the business objective. And I started working on that. And then I realized that if you stick to the fundamentals, why you're doing something, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's an interesting space to be in. So uh, after doing that stint for three years, uh, we had a tremendous success. Uh, I was able to bring down the number of vulnerabilities in the code by 98%. Wonderful. And uh, that all of that is without knowing the, the security technologies. But I gained, I picked up fairly quickly. So from application security, I moved to information security and then to the governance and risk. And I think as I did the whole thing, I realized that, well, if you stick to the business objective of what you're trying to do in the role, that's all you need. And then I took my first role as a CISO for Sub-Sahara Africa uh, 10 years back. And from there on, from Africa, I took on a role for South Asia, then for Greater China. Then the, I picked up the, all the regions for the previous company I was working for. It has been a progressive journey from there on. Throughout the career, uh, it's always been about sticking to what is the business purpose of what you're trying to do in the role and not get lost in the technology. Technology is very, very important. Right, but that is not the end. The, the means to the end is fundamentally what are you trying to achieve there. Wonderful, wonderful. I think that would be a great insight for all security professionals. And in the meantime, I would like to also put in the frame uh, that uh, uh, if you have to identify the key pockets of uh, technology enablement uh, for a person to be able to handle the role of CISO professionally, competently, to meet the business objectives, what are those islands of skill sets that you would want or you would recommend the budding professionals who maybe aspire to become CISOs in their times to come? Uh, I'll, I'll draw in my own experience there, Vineet. Uh, it's important that you understand the tech landscape fairly well. And it all starts from the IT infrastructure. 
you need to understand how the infrastructure is designed, architected, how does it work, uh, the elements of, of that architecture from the application standpoint. Uh, once you understand the fundamentals of how technology works, it's that much easier for you to secure it. So CISO should fundamentally uh, have a IT or digital background. You may not be master of everything, but you should be able to connect the dots fairly uh, seamlessly. Uh, now, beyond that, uh, to be able to have a flair to communicate with your management, uh, understanding the business objectives, uh, being able to translate that into the strategy and the actionables for the organization, I think those are key ingredients for a CISO to be successful in a particular role. If I also say that uh, security function by very nature will not have enough people, right? So it works on the principle of how much are you able to influence the organization. Yeah. Yep. So you need to wear the business sales hat at the same time while you're taking care of your responsibilities and uh, driving by influence is goes along with how you become a CISO. Wonderful, wonderful. I think uh, this this gives me a, a thought on asking you about, uh, you mentioned about uh, addressing the business objectives. So as a cyber security specialist and a CISO, how do you facilitate the business engagement, the leadership in the, in, in any organization? What would you recommend for the other CISO and, all, and or what is your strategy when you approach it? I think the, the number one thing, uh, you need to establish yourself amongst the management of the organization, which fundamentally means you need to have a seat at the table. Uh, it's uh, easy said than done, uh, but if the management, in today's context, management of any organization, they're fairly aware of the, the need of uh, cybersecurity in an organization. So you need to have a seat at the table at the management, that's number one. Number two, you have to wear a sales hat half the time and look for the opportunities where, we, where you can go in and building the relationships with every stakeholder. So slightest of the opportunity, you have to go out there. I give an example, you may get a call from a CFO or maybe a chief legal officer that, well, I'm not able to uh, uh, access my USB. Well, IT guys can take care of that. But that's an opportunity for you to go and have an audience and, and explain them about the whole thing. So uh, wearing a sales hat. Uh, and having a seat at the table is how you typically drive it. Then obviously there are formal structures in any organization. You make sure that whenever you have the spotlight uh, in those meetings, be it a board meeting or be it any governance meetings, you are able to articulate what you're doing as a security organization. So that's it's fairly comprehensible or comprehendable by the respective stakeholders in the organization. So do you find some challenges while you approach the business leadership in your role as a CISO? Uh, I have uh, not found a challenge there because I believe I can speak the language they understand. Wonderful. You have to simplify what you're trying to communicate. If you talk in the technical terms, uh, it might not make a lot of sense for them. Uh, give, give an example. A uh, few years back, we were talking uh, with our CFO uh, and I went to him, boss, we want to move from AV to uh, EDR, right? And uh, once the conversation was over, he was like, oh, so you're talking about so from a signature base, you're moving to behavior based. Mm. So yeah. you have to simplify the technology for them. Uh, management of any company is fairly mature. Uh, they understand the risk part very, very well, as long as you speak in the language they understand. Wonderful. I think that's a very, very well said point. And uh, I think 
what is simple is e- easy to yeah. buy also yes in any case uh, moving forward i just uh, would like to ask you uh, so what is the typical mindset of a ceo i i'll go back to what i said earlier uh, you need to have those exclamation marks going on in your head all the time what am i missing what am i missing what am i missing yeah at the same time if something you hear about something new technology or maybe a new threat or maybe a new uh, 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 breach you know in the media you should be having those exclamation marks in your head saying well how did it happen how did it work if you have those going on in your head i think uh, you get the answer there and uh, with all these um, security challenges coming up every now and then in the news what's a typical day of a ceo like bithal bhadwaj well that's uh, so, so so for a ceo no two days are similar okay okay uh, you are driven by what is happening at that point in time mm-hmm. uh, because the point in time uh, comes in where you have to roll up your sleeves mm-hmm. and you have to be there with the boys uh, to address a particular situation uh at the same time you have to make sure that you are networking well within the organization and outside the organization as well so on a typical day i will be meeting up with internal stakeholders i'll be meeting up with external stakeholders maybe in my office maybe i'm not stepping out right but that interaction is very important so always a flavor of a day uh meeting up somebody new uh, uh there is a regular governance rhythm which goes in so typically day starts with uh understanding well mm-hmm. how did the night go and uh, what are we planning so so typically uh, uh with a day is uh, as i said you have to network so either is networking or you governing uh, you collaborating uh, or you are motivating or inspiring your teams because the business which we are in it is about finding that one needle in the haystack and it's not easy when when when, when a, a stock analyst is looking at hundreds of alerts right so you get a fatigue there uh, it's very important that you spend time with the boys in the team uh, you inspire them you aspire them uh, so that uh, they are ready uh, if you inspire them enough uh, then you have the job is done automatically empowering the team is another very important element of how a day would typically look like for you wonderful and that also brings me um, uh, to a question which i would like to ask you uh, it said that a man who doesn't read is no better than a man who cannot read yeah so in this entire day of networking aspiring team <clears throat> when is that time slot and uh, what do you like to read and when do you read well uh, as you know in the in the, in the by free time i'm a, i'm more of an artist right oh. yeah uh, which means uh, i love to go into the details and when you are an artist you are going into the details of well how do i make something exactly same copy on my paper uh, so reading i don't have time today to read a book i get a get to read a book once in a month but what keeps what keeps me updated is the twitter so i follow top 200 cybersecurity influencers so the feed in twitter helps me a lot uh, feed in linkedin helps me a lot to this. keep an eye on what's going on and you get a topic which intrigues you and then you go in deeper to understand oh this is what they're talking about books uh the last book i, I read was uh, authored by by a friend uh amit dubey uh, i forgot the name of the book but it's a fantastic uh, uh fiction sci-fi uh, it talks about cyber security risk 
So something like that comes my way. I definitely try to read that while I'm taking a flight. Once wonderful, in a month. Yeah, well, yeah. I think we have the recipe of uh, being an efficient and a competent CISO. That is to follow <laughs> Twitter feeds, yeah. uh, look, follow top LinkedIn, uh, I would say, uh, news feeds and yeah. handles. And maybe one occasionally, uh, I would say rather refreshing up yourself by doing some art. So yeah. I think that's uh, maybe the secret recipe and the sauce yeah. of uh, how to do well as a CISO. Well, uh, with this, I also uh, would like to just uh, say something about as to over the years that now you have been into security, how has the role of CISO evolved? It's a very interesting question. Uh, one thing which has gone down in terms of where CISOs used to spend time is trying to create the awareness and the need for cyber security in the organization. Uh, media has done a fantastic job. The organizations like DSCI has done a fantastic job there. So we don't spend as much time on why cyber is important. Uh, if you look at 10 years back, uh, if there is half an hour for a presentation to the management, you'll spend 15 minutes, what is cybersecurity? Why it is so important? Uh, that's one element which has simplified significantly. Second thing, the business engagements have gone significantly up. So you are hearing the use cases from the stakeholders directly. Earlier, it was not the case. Uh, today, uh, because everybody is so well versed with digital, uh, because thanks to media, so you do get a lot of questions which makes you ponder and think over, oh, uh, how do I enable him to do the job? So I think those are two elements which have changed. Technology, I would say, uh, has evolved as well. Uh, the arsenal uh, of for a CISO uh, has undergone significant shift. In the last three years, uh, the machine learning has taken the center stage of every tool you have in your arsenal. Uh, that was not the case three years back. So today is all about the anomaly detection. Earlier, it's all signature based. So I think uh, the maturity in the tools, uh, number one. Number two, the amount of time you would spend on the awareness of your management. And number three, you are directly interacting with the businesses and you're getting the pulse on the ground. And, mm -hmm. and that keeps you, uh, I would say, uh, alert in terms of what changes you have to make in your uh, cyber strategy so that you are an enabler for the business, really. Wonderful. There's so much insights into um, the processes, tools, business and evolving uh, technology uh, domains. What I would like to also uh, give your thoughts on uh, with these uh, like National COE, which is the joint initiative of DSCI and METI, right. uh, where uh, <laughs> the cyber security technology development and entrepreneurship is encouraged. For the entrepreneurs who are working in the cybersecurity domains and they wish to rise to become global uh, cybersecurity innovators, uh, what, how do you recommend that they get a hang of the use cases which you mentioned about in between, identification of use cases, so that they directly get the hang of uh, those use cases using which uh, the platform that we can create for them so that their focus and attention is on developing products which are actually meaningful and useful to the cyber security ecosystem, which is already, I would say, cluttered up with a lot of uh, security solutions already. Right, right. I think a uh, great question. Uh, every startup starts with a wonderful idea. What is very important that each startup should actually have one or two, not more than that, uh, right anchor customers may not be uh, in commercial terms, but you need to have that anchor sponsor for your product. Only when you have tested out your product in the environment, in the, in the real environment, is when you will be able to uh, make your uh, idea turn into a reality. Otherwise, uh, the great academic ideas remains wonderful uh, on paper or to fail later point in time. So 
number one make sure that you find that anchor sponsor for your product it has to be the closest fit of the problem statement you're trying to solve uh, often i have seen uh, uh, the startup entrepreneur is uh, stuck up with the idea he or she has uh, they believe this is the right way to solve the problem but uh, the focus is not as much on what the problem you're trying to solve and i have seen uh, quite a few of these companies they're trying to sell their solution rather than solving the problem so i think that is uh, one element uh, second i would say that uh, uh, the startup guys typically by very nature are techies that's why it's a startup right you're a techie you get a Correct. beautiful idea and you have the the magical power to to convert that idea into a tech product but how do you go about uh, socializing that what the product is how do you go about socializing or marketing that product mm-hmm. is under skill a uh, lot of uh, newbies in that space i've seen them struggling uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to how do you go about uh, mm-hmm. making sure that your product starts getting recognized mm-hmm. in the market mm-hmm. so uh, picking up the clue from uh, what you said that uh, the socializing of the problem statement right and uh, actually identifying what is the problem so while uh, we see that uh, startups pick up a challenge but in your with your experience what would you recommend is a you know right check and balance to do in between or when you starting up how do you recommend them validating the problem statement that they are solving so that the time and effort the money is actually put in the right direction with the right amount of focus i think the answer for that question lies in the very objective of national coe right uh, uh, an organization like national coe is, is actually solving the very same problem uh by bringing incubating all of these ideas and curating these ideas these startups right to a point where you help them succeed i think uh, it's important that don't work in silos get yourself associated with either an organization like national coe or maybe there are a lot of corporates also have a very similar uh incubation environment mm-hmm. get aligned there and then you just take all the help available to you don't try to build your product in silos or the services in silos that is what i think the key uh, would yeah, i think that's a that's a great uh, great insight in fact that leads me to an idea maybe that there's a need of uh, i think collaboration is the way ahead right and there's way of a need for organizations like national coe dsci to maybe collaborate with such uh, other uh, yeah. domain uh, corporate i would say startup initiatives uh, where they are trying to nurture the ecosystem right. because ultimately the aim is to have a stronger national cyber security ecosystem i right. think that's the whole focus so in fact uh, uh, we need to so when we have to buy a product uh, the first call for my office goes to uh, dsci wonderful <laughs> asking them can you recommend some indian startups in that in this space for the way that we looking for product uh, and this is what we have done for past 2 years so opportunities will come to dsci and national coe or such organizations so that's why it's very important to be part of the ecosystem so that uh, you know, i would like to ask you by uh, feeling myself as a startup for a moment and to identify that if i am a startup and i have to um, approach ceo gmr uh, who leads the security in the aviation sector wonderfully well and efficiently well uh, where would i find uh, i would say my questionnaire the exam questionnaire which i would want to solve myself how do i get that use case questionnaire or that bank of the use cases uh number one once you are able to uh, spend some time with say me or my team if you approach me as a vendor uh you may not get the attention or will not be open that is a hard fact uh 
right? Try to leverage the platforms which are available where we can have those, uh, uh, I would say, a, a free-flowing conversations. We're more than happy to share uh, in those such forums. If you approach us that, well, you want to sell your product. Uh, well, we know it's a, it's, a, it's a new product. Why would I invest? Why would I risk my own posture, Correct. right? So the converse, most of the conversations die there itself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you approach me saying, well, I have a product and I want to make it very aviation specific, we will have a meaningful dialogue basis that. That's a way to go about that. So I would rather take a step back and say that uh, the when the ideas are moving up, when uh, the tech enthusiasts are trying to build a solution yep. and they believe that they have got capability to solve cybersecurity problems, and if they are the ones who are, the, I would say, the niche niche entrants who have do who don't have a product but they have ideas in this thing, how can uh, the aviation sector facilitate them to tell them the problem areas which they can pick up to actually start solving them in conjunction and in by guidance or by getting adequate well mentored from the sector because so that the effort which they put has a meaningful outcome for the sector which they are trying to address. I think uh, it's a beautiful question, Vineet. We're trying to incubate uh, such collaborations. Uh, very shortly, we are launching uh, a, a, a pad. Uh, when I say pad, it's going to be a experience center uh, where we have actually uh, we've actually built one in Hyderabad. It's a digital simulation lab uh, on a 20 feet by 7 feet table. Uh, we're building exactly the same thing in Delhi now. The idea is that we want to invite these companies to have the dialogues and spark some conversations there. Mm -hmm. uh, if you approach me from the perspective of, well, let me have access to this simulation environment. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm more than happy uh, to hear your ideas in terms of how can you help secure that environment. Mm -hmm. uh, again, a big no-no, don't approach as a vendor. But if you want to collaborate, we are building something like that in Delhi. Next four months is going to be launched. Please come over there. And it's going to be for the collaboration for the sector. And uh, we need, as we were talking offline, uh, mm -hmm. let's build something. Yeah, sure. I think uh, this ecosystem of so many startups that uh, the DSC and National CUE has, right. I'm sure there's a long way to go ahead and uh, contribute to the cause right. of uh, taking security ahead. Right. Wonderful. So after a small break, let me welcome once again uh, the man of the day, uh, that is Mr. Bittal Badwaj, CEO GMR. And uh, I'd like to just uh, take the discussion forward to ask you straight away with a new, uh, I would say, round of coffee. Uh, that is, uh, what are the three or four challenges that you have faced as CISO that you'd like to share with the audience? So, before we went for a break, uh, uh, we spoke about the uncertainty and the unknowns you have to deal with. That's the number one challenge. I think number two challenge is finding the right skill set in the industry. Uh, uh, a lot of technology which we're talking about today, uh, they're not very old. Uh, AI or generative AI, all of these or data sciences, that has become mainstream now in the products which we use, right? So finding the right skills in the market has been a challenge. Uh, also finding a lot of uh, skill set from a fresher standpoint has been a challenge as well. And I think the third and the last most common challenge is uh, uh, how can I how can I have those magic eyes so that I know who is changing what in the organization because uh, every time a change happens in the organization at no matter what level it translates into some sort of a cyber risk so having those godly eyes in the environment not having the godly eyes is another challenge I would put it that way okay okay 
So this uh, talent, I think, has been a buzzword. Talent hunting, uh, talent challenge has been, I think, the buzzword in the security industry. And uh, so, what is your approach in, uh, I would say, identifying or hiring the talent, which is the right skill mix of uh, what you would need in your industry? Uh, the approach which we take as an organization is uh, uh, we do take a lot of interns. Uh, we build a comprehensive hands-on learning program. Uh, so once the intern or a trainee joins in, he or she has to undergo two months of that rigorous training program. Uh, it's done in such a way that there is a mentor against each one of the new trainee or intern uh, whose objective is how do I make sure that this person is as good as me in next two months. Uh, that's one way we have approached. Uh, we haven't come across a university or a college uh, where, and even if it's a security-focused university or a college, where you can actually deploy a resource from day one. Okay. Yeah, so we haven't come across that. But I've also heard there are a lot of programs in the industry today where a lot of CISOs are supporting to uh, help build this uh, talent in cybersecurity. Uh, we also try to tap into those programs as an organization as well. Wonderful. I think there I see an opportunity where... Uh with an expert like you or an industry like you, maybe there's a need to uh, identify as to what should be the change in the syllabus of the universities or the institutes which are teaching cybersecurity so that uh, the students coming out from there are effective from day one of there. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's not about the, the theory you're going to teach. I think it's the hands-on experience. Uh, I, I would say uh, we have to bring in more of a knowledge transfer approach which means only a practitioner can uh, ensure that the student is able to comprehend what is what skill is required in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So more than the teaching, it should be more about knowledge transfer from a practitioner to be a to mm -hmm. the to be practitioner. Mm -hmm. That's what has to come in. So do you think that um, uh, taking a clue cue from this, do you think that actually the universities, while it's important to lay down fundamentals and uh, bring up the skills to a certain level before you actually get into practitioner uh, mode. Do you think that the last semester of the university programs or these education programs can actually be concentrated or focused towards hands-on experience in the industry or have their labs in a culled in a manner, curated in a manner which uh, helps them gain hands-on experience on things which are required by the industry? Oh, I think that is must. The, the typically in engineering, the eighth semester should be focused just on this industry interaction. A lot of universities today send their students out for the internships. Uh, so which means there is no one concentrated effort towards making sure that everybody from that college for that particular semester is learning. Uh, this is where I think opportunity lies, where industry has to come forward uh, and work very closely with academia uh, to solve their own talent shortage problem. Wonderful. So on behalf of the academia that we also interact with, may I ask, take the liberty of asking you that, if a student or an engineering college is keen on uh, making sure that the students in the domain of cybersecurity get the right platform, how should they approach uh, GMR or uh, Bittal Bhadwaj's ecosystem to make sure that they get that right opportunity to practice security while they are in their final semesters or some advanced stages of their learning curve? We uh, uh, typically uh, uh, get the interns and trainings from certain universities in India. Uh, however, as and when we get the recommendations from or the direct contacts from the students that they are interested, we definitely uh, look at those profiles as well. Uh, we don't generally publish these roles out. 
but if you're interested to do uh, internship with us, uh, please reach out to our RHR teams directly. Lovely, lovely. I think that way uh, we would like to take this initiative forward because of a lot of academia connect that the National CUA builds uh, right. in and uh, maybe sees that how they, these opportunities can be created to build up the stronger ecosystem for the nation as such. Right. We have an MOU with the National Forensic Science University, so we take a lot of interns from there. Uh, Wonderful. So if you have more colleges in your ecosystem who you think uh, are focusing on cyber security, happy to uh, talk and work with them. Wonderful, wonderful. I think that's uh, this is uh, bring some kind of a very, very promising, I think, uh, future ahead for the students and for the audience who could watch this uh, particular reply of yours. Yeah. I think that that's a look quite promising for them. You look forward for that. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, tell me something about uh, how do you manage your time? Well, in this uh, busy schedule, how do you manage time <laughs> to uh, manage your professional front or your personal front? Well, uh, somebody rightly said, a busy man is the man who's got time for everything. Right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it, it does become a challenge at point in time with that approach, but uh, uh, I've been able to find time for everything uh, as long as you're flexible. And I'm saying that without uh, going my personal and, and work life off palace. So, uh, there are a lot of things which you can do while coming to office, while going back home, in the evenings, over the work. Uh, so, you have to find time for everything. With these, all these challenges of finding and struggling with time, I'm sure time becomes a premium when there is a when there is an incident. Yes, that may happen. Right. And moving on from mm -hmm. that little lighter to a little heavy note of uh, challenge of the time, uh, what has been? Uh, how have you handled the incident response? And how would you? I mean, um, you know, give a lesson for the other Caesars who may be watching this. You may have uh, invested uh, significantly in the protection and the in the defense technologies, but when uh, stuff hits the fan. How you respond to that is what matters. Uh, in my experience, uh, how quickly you are able to assemble your teams, uh, the right skills and how well you are able to engage uh, your management and your external stakeholders and the tech teams. Uh, that response time, I think, is what wins the day for you. Uh, tech definitely has a role to play. But end of the day, it's the ability. I've seen uh, uh, situ in the situations where people have become heroes. Uh, I'll, without quoting the full incident, uh, uh, there was uh, uh, a situation a while back. And we had one intern who had been working with us for past four months. And we've been struggling. Uh, how do we make sure that he takes a bigger role and all of those? How does he settle in the role? And uh, that, that situation happened. And over the weekend, and... Uh, when I met him on the Monday morning, uh, and he was, we had to push him back to go back home because he assumed the responsibility and he took the responsibility and role to contain that situation over the weekend that he did not go home. And from intern to that matured person, a professional, it just took one incident, one situation. Uh, mm -hmm. So I believe uh, it's all about the men and the people you have. Uh, tech definitely is required, but. Uh, how quickly you can assemble, uh, how quickly you can respond. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a way for you to go about it. Mm -hmm. yep. And don't keep anybody in dark uh, as mm -hmm. you go along the whole thing. Lovely. And uh, this also brings me a thought that uh, in this entire crisis management plan that any organization would prepare or any CISO would make sure that it is there on the, on the charts and the slides. Have you noticed uh, 
any gap in how we actually envisage a plan and when it came to actually acting upon it would like to share some experience and as to how can one bridge up those gaps for uh, again a better response no it is it's a continuous learning exercise uh, uh, you may have a wonderful sop and a plan but when the situation happens you're not referring to that again and again right you're responding uh, to the situation at that point in time mm-hmm. i believe once the situation is over uh, you have to go back and see how can i further improvise or what i have documented mm-hmm. so uh, there certain elements uh, which have to be uh, followed strictly mm-hmm. but lot of other elements you just are responding to the situations mm-hmm. so, but go back once the things are normalizes mm-hmm. go back and then make sure that you document those learnings because that will help the next situation to be handled in a much better way so if you if you may like to share it um, in whatever form uh, what are those key five points that uh, you know one should uh, anybody should address while preparing a crisis management which is practical from your practical learnings some attributes or some points of uh, highlight that should be part of your crisis management plan i think number one uh, what is crisis you should know uh, when to call a crisis very well uh, and that's where a lot of unknowns are there this is very subjective at the same time mm-hmm. so what qualifies for crisis is the number one you need to have it you need to have the stakeholders very clearly mapped out defined mm-hmm. internal external management tech all of that that matrix should be defined mm-hmm. uh you need to have uh the rules of each of those very articulately defined in that uh, crisis mm-hmm. management plan uh beyond that uh i don't go into the different use cases mm-hmm. uh which you will play out but beyond that what you'll have to do is uh you need to also define the mechanism of how this whole thing would be orchestrated mm-hmm. in case of a situation Mm-hmm. that's also fairly important lastly and most importantly you have to train every single stakeholder you have defined if you haven't trained if you haven't told them that you might get a phone call and when you get a phone call this is what you have to do mm-hmm. then that crisis management plan is of no use mm-hmm. so uh, i think those are three or four elements i would think should be there oh, wonderful wonderful i think that would definitely give uh, some kind of an experience exposure to others who would be watching this and a uh, great clue from that So in the uh, life of the CISO that you have been living I'm sure you must be observing what all is happening around the ecosystem both at the international level and the national level I would want you to make us some recommendations and suggestions for all of us say to say that how do you see the national cyber security ecosystem growing and what are your key recommendations to make it see grow further so all the uh, right things are happening in India right now uh, we have a data protection bill coming up uh, we i hear that the national cyber security strategy is being worked upon uh we see the initiatives like national coe uh, which is incubating a, a large ecosystem of uh, startups in india i think it's a wonderful time uh, for india to actually for the strengthen uh, its posture i've also seen that uh, uh, in terms of the talent uh, as a nation we are only right next to us when it comes in terms of the talent availability right uh, i think uh, we strongly uh, position right now uh, to make an impact i'm trying to do that in my small world of uh, aviation uh, how can we put indian cyber security approach in the aviation sector globally and i believe overall as a nation as well we are fairly well poised to uh, take the center stage in this direction wonderful wonderful 
thank you for your all your responses i'm sure it was a it was a great insight for me i'm sure it would be uh, a lot of insight and um, i mean getting to know right directly from your heart and um, the way you articulated it i'm sure people would actually benefit uh, from your experiences and not many would get this opportunity to interact with you directly and uh, do a heart to heart talk and get the insights into various facets of the security and technology and how to nurture this cyber security ecosystem we are very grateful and on behalf of uh, mr vinayak godse ceo dsci i once again thank you for uh, making it coming it and coming here and uh, sparing your valuable time to interact and share your experience uh, with the wider audience that you would reach out to thank you very much thank you vinith and you've been exceptional host here and uh, some beautiful facility you have in noida thank you again thank you once again looking forward uh, to interact with you more and collaborate more Same thank here. you very much yeah thank you